This is the reality of show business hosted by your boy, Stephen Lewis Elms Esquire. And this week, we're going to be talking to you about school tours, labels versus independence, club land with my boy Jam, requests sticking to the floor and drunk people, transitioning from venue types to maybe holiday parks, theatres, cruises, and also nightclub Karen's. So you're in for a treat. Let's go. And welcome back to the reality of show business hosted by your boy, Stephen Lewis Elms Esquire. I had to think about that for a second there. Um, And we are back now for the third episode. I hope you've enjoyed the first two. Um, And we're going to be talking a little bit more about things to do with show business. Um, In our last two episodes, we talked about friendship breakdowns. Uh, We've talked about showcases. We've talked about a few different things and also talked about relationships uh, in the industry. Um, And it's been really exciting. This has been kind of like therapy for me a little bit. Uh, I used to use writing as my therapy, but this has been really good um, and enjoyable to talk about what I've done and kind of get everything out there. So this week, we're going to talk about a few different things. Um, It's a bit weird, actually, because This week, we're going to be talking about something that isn't really part of the show business industry, but has helped many artists crack the uh, showbiz industry in the past. And right now is really helping us progress in a way that we want to. So I thought I'd talk about that as well. And that is school tours. Now, not many artists do school tours, um, mainly because you don't get paid. You have to pay them you pay almost £70. Uh, Not the minute, that's how it used to be. Uh, Throughout the noughties and the teenies, you could expect to pay about £70 per school. And the idea was that you would go into that school and perform uh, a few songs and then talk to them uh, a little bit about something, uh, maybe a bit of a motivational talk about yourselves. And then perform more songs. And the idea was that you would gain magnitudes of fans uh, and magnitudes of supporters um, through going around all the different schools around the country. So a lot of bands like Take That, uh, I know So Solid Crew did it. Actually, So Solid Crew came to my school when I was was younger. And a lot of artists have tried to crack the industry by making their fan base out from starting off performing in schools. Um, And for those people in the past, it has worked for a number of people. It has not worked for a lot a lot more people. Uh, there's a lot of people who've done them and, and just enjoyed the experience of them. Um, but I tell you what, they can be difficult. Sometimes you go into a school and you perform and they give you loads of energy. And sometimes you go in and perform and they give you absolutely nothing. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later on as well. Um, we're going to be talking about label versus independent, uh, the the positives of being on a label and the positives of being independent. Um, we're going to be talking about what it was like to be a mic host or a club DJ in the scene of Newcastle throughout, I would say, the years 2005 to 2015. Um, I've got lots of stories about that, so we'll get into some of that later. Uh, talking about requests, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot to talk about about requests. There's sticking to the floor, yeah, 
that's one of them things. There's so many different things. So we're going to talk about them as well. Transitioning from venues and nightclubs to holiday parks, theatres, cruises and nightclubs. Uh, that was a big change. And then we're going to come to the end and we're going to talk a little bit about nightclub Karens. Um, and yeah, so that's going to be today's episode. And I hope that you enjoy everything that I have to say. So up first, school tours. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, when you do a school tour, um, back in the day, you used to have to pay. But now, um, if you've got the right agency, you, I, you don't have to pay for it. But uh, I think the school pays the agent and the agent. I, I, if I'm totally honest, we don't really get into the details of it. Uh, we don't know how much they make and we don't really know, deal with the agents. We're not going in precisely to try and gain fans, though. As people have been going in, I know that's a great byproduct, but with COVID being as uh, stressful as it's been over the last couple of years, it's been really difficult for people. Like, if you didn't realise this, people who are in year nine now, their last year, like their last full year of school was year six. So this year has been pivotal. Uh, they've had two years of catching up to do. And some of the kids haven't been able to mature at the speed that they would like them to. Some of them have come down with really bad mental health problems and social anxieties. And it's made us realise that we have had a lot of mental illnesses throughout our life and have been able to overcome them and come out the other side. So what we've decided to do is really go into the school to give them tricks, tips and guidance on how to overcome their mental health issues, how to talk about their body image, how to understand discrimination and to know what to do if they're getting cyberbullied. So this is a massive thing that we've, well, a massive campaign that we as Hino Shinos are, are doing around, at the minute, mainly the Northeast. We've done a few different um, ones virtually across Ireland and we've travelled down and we're going to do a week in Bedford later on in the year and hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll be able to get into my old school, Bedford School, and I'll definitely, definitely talk to you about how that goes. Some of the schools, like I said before, you get so much energy from them. You literally have them on their feet, jumping around, hands waving around everywhere. But then some schools you go and they have they give you absolutely nothing. I mean, like you say clap and no one claps. You say put your hands in the air, no one puts their hands in the air. You say stand up and they all look at you with an evil glare. Like, it doesn't happen often, but there's the occasional school. And I also have to understand that it's not always the school, it's the year groups, because then you'll have like a year seven group and they're great and they'll jump around. But then you'll have a year 10 group and they look at you like you're an idiot. And it's really difficult sometimes. But the ones that are really good are excellent. And the children really take a lot from it. Now, that's great for the performance. But what we realise is that afterwards, when they message us on our social medias, when, we get in, when they get in touch with us uh, about their mental health, we realise it's the ones that didn't really give us anything that actually contact us the most. They become the actual long-lasting fans, the ones on the social medias, um, the ones that, if anyone, come to us and talk to us about their mental health problems and share them with us. I had uh, some students in the last couple of weeks come up to me and, and really open up and let out some of their uh, traumas and troubles. 
And some people have gone home. We've had letters from parents saying, thank you for the talk that you've given in the school today. It's made my child come home and open up for the first time in their life. And we realise it's making such a massive difference. Now, there are going to be in every single class kids that are not interested at all. And they're going to be hard work, but there are going to be in every single class that you do somebody there who's suffering, who's really paying attention and really taking in the information that we're giving them. So I feel as though it's for them. It's not for the naughty ones. Um, and hopefully we can... Sometimes it's the naughty ones who really need to listen, and really need the help. But unfortunately, we can't get through to everybody. But we do our best. We do do our best. And travelling can be hard because you've got to think to yourself, right, these sessions... You'll do year seven, year eight, year nine, year 10, year 11. So you'll say do five sessions in a day. Um, and that means that you're performing five times a day and doing a talk on the bounce. So it's like five hours, bounce, bounce, bounce. But you're starting, you're, you're, you're arriving at 7.45 in the morning. So your first performance can, can range, but is normally around 8.45 in the morning is your first performance and you're getting them up and you're getting them going and you're normally the assembly. It can be hellish if um, you aren't awake and you aren't prepped and you haven't had a good night's sleep and you haven't had a good night's rest. Most of the time we do, but that can be really hard work. But it is really rewarding seeing how many kids are getting helped by the mental health talks that we're doing. Um, and it is great also picking up the fans as an excess of that. Um, lots of kids really are starting to gravitate towards us and support our music and support our stuff. But what we really want them to do is to take away from the talks that we're doing and hopefully that they can make a really massive difference in their lives. So, yeah, um, I'm not going to mention any of the actual schools that we've done, but we've done some great ones. We've done some great ones. Um, we really have. We've done some schools where kids have got up on the stage and danced with us and performed with us. Um, we've been to some schools where, like, certain kids have really opened up afterwards um, and they mean just as much. So it's 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 a great work to do. And I suppose one of the, the uh, bonuses of doing it has been that we got to meet the Lord Mayor of Newcastle and we went to meet uh, Julie Elliott, the local MP. So, you know, it's it's not all give. There is a little bit where we receive as well, but we we do appreciate that everyone is so supportive of this mental health campaign. Um, and this weekend, we're actually going to support SADS. We're the patrons of SADS. Um, so we're off to uh, Hyde Park to do a Stride with SADS walk for charity this weekend. So hopefully that can do loads as well. Now, moving on to the next section, label versus independent. Now, I've always, 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 always thought the independent route is going to be better. Now, I suppose this, and this is going to sound weird, but it's because I've lost both my parents. Um, now, I know that that sounds weird, but I'll try and explain it. When you sign to a label they're basically paying you for your album. It no longer belongs to you, it's theirs. Um, and yes, you get to perform the music and promote the music and they'll cut you a big check every time you do that. But it doesn't belong to you. 
So when you're dead, somebody not in your family can decide whatever they want to do with your recordings. And that's something that I've always thought, no, I don't want to do. I want, once I die, I want my children to be able to decide what happens with my songs and what happens with my music. I want to leave it to them. So that's my reason for um, remaining independent. But I have signed a couple songs with labels in the past. I have worked with uh, record labels. Um, and there are positives to being signed to a label and there are positives to being independent. Now, I will start with some of the positives of being independent. You own your own music. You get to decide your own direction. You can choose your own clothes. You decide where you tour and what gigs you accept. Um, you can choose what kind of songs and who you work with and what producers you produce, get to produce your songs for you. You get to decide who your PR company is and which magazines you want to promote to or, or where you want to promote, where you want to gig. There's so many different things that you can decide as an independent artist. But <clears throat> if you're on a label, all of these things will get decided for you. Your job is to make the music. And even when you make the music, they might turn around and say, oh, not really feeling this one. Can you change it? Um, we want you to put this here and this here. And maybe if you get this producer to make it instead of that producer, then maybe it will sound better. Um, and there won't be a lot you can do about it. You will just have to create the product that they want because they're paying you to do that. You will create that product and then they will market that product alongside of you. Now, you've got to market that product with them. You've got to put everything you've got into that that product make sure it's a success because you've got to pay back <clears throat> you've got to pay back your artist advance and that comes out of the sales of your album so you need that album to sell and you need that album to sell more than your artist advance because you obviously want to get paid as well and that's the only way to do it you'll get a very small percentage of your royalties you'll maybe get mm, i don't know seven to 15 percent for your for your royalties whereas if you're independent you get a hundred percent um and if it gets synced on tv you get a hundred percent of your money rather than uh giving your shares away but a lot of independent artists hold on to their music and their music makes no money and they've got a hundred percent of nothing um when a label could get you you know a rather large amount of money even though they're making a rather large amount more so it can be a tough decision um, and dying, like dying and trying really hard to get signed to a major label can be the death of you. It's It's been the end of some artists. And once you get signed, there's no guarantee they're actually going to release your music or release your album. You could literally sit on the shelf, as they call it, and not release any albums or any singles and you could just be sat there while all your friends who are independent are releasing music and thinking that you're living the life because you're signed. When actually you can't release anything. <coughs> Apologies for that. I shouldn't be coughing, but I've got a bit of a sore throat. So, yes, that was label versus independent. I think record label wins, but it depends which record label. Um, if you can get one of the major, major labels, then... You could become a massive superstar. But if it's just a local little label, stick to being independent and push yourself. Create your own fan base. Create your own fans. Don't live for vanity gigs. A vanity gig is when you get to support a famous artist who sold loads of tickets 
and you get to perform in front of a massive crowd, but none of that crowd's there to see you. I'd rather have a hundred people come to watch me than a thousand people come to watch someone else who lets me perform before them. Yeah, remember that. Get your own gigs, get your own acts, get your own support, get your own friends, get your own ticket line, get your own website, and you'll be able to do this stuff yourself. So yeah, next up, Clubland. Now, I'm not talking about the do 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 Clubland sort of stuff. So it's good good baseline there though. I might use that. But I'm not talking about the Clubland rave sort of stuff that you're talking I'm talking about. I'm talking about the nightclub scene. Now from about 2005 uh to 2015 I like to go clubbing across Newcastle. I loved all of the clubs I used to go to. Let me see if I can remember my weekly routine of nightclubs. Let me see if I could handle this. On a Monday, we would go to Vodka Island at Tiger Tiger. On a Tuesday, back then, it was Lovedo at Digital. On a Wednesday, you would go to Attic. at uh, It was called Studio at Attic. On a Thursday... Where did we go on a Thursday? I'm, I I don't know where we went on a Thursday. I'm going to say Blue Bamboo on a Thursday, but I might be wrong. Then on a Friday, we would go to Beyond, which was Hoochie. Saturday, I went to Sea Nightclub or wherever Devon and Play were. And then on a Sunday, it was Julie's, baby. <coughs> now, this is important to understand that I wasn't just like a serial drinker or anything. The whole idea was I wanted to be a nightclub host. I remember, and I don't know if anybody has ever heard me say this before, but I remember going into Liquid Nightclub in Newcastle. It was on, oh, that was it. It was Liquid on a Thursday. It was Skint on a Thursday. Uh, That was run by a guy called Colin, who I had some run-ins with later on in life. (laughs) But uh, we're all good now. But yes, so Colin ran Skint at Liquid, and he'd hired his friend from Trinidad, I think he's from, correct me if I'm wrong, apologies, Kenrick, um, who's now a massive DJ, Kenrick's a massive DJ in, in Newcastle and Dubai as well, so he's doing really well, Kendrick Infinity Styles, he was called back then, but he was the mic host, and I remember being stood in the crowd, looking up at Kenrick, who was stood on the podium, the music was playing, the music was banging, the students were listening to his every word and he stood up in this podium in um, what I can only say was like a hoodie, but it had reflective material on it. And that reflective material was shining off the lights and he looked like the coolest guy I'd ever seen in my life. And I looked up at him and I was like, that's what I want to do. I want his job. That's what I want. And so me going clubbing all the time was me now trying to find a way to get his job. Now, a few years later, um, I got a lucky opportunity. Now, I don't know whether the universe just fell into line that night for me, but for some reason, um, the doorman of Beyond Nightclub on the night Fat Man Scoop no was it Fat Man Scoop 
It was Fat Man Scoop and Jay Sean. Jay Sean was there. Yeah, Jay Sean was there. And it was um, one of those moments where I was just sat in my house and I got a phone call saying, hey, could you come and mic host at Beyond? Uh, something's happened with Kimrick. So I was like, yeah, no worries. Turns out the doorman of the nightclub that night, Kemrick was the mic host. Kemrick had gone outside to have a cigarette and then went to go back in. And the doorman wouldn't let him in. So he ended up having a scrap with the doorman. And I don't know what happened, but he ended up having a not, not gig that night. So they called me up and I, I went and took my opportunity. And from that moment on, I was the mic host in Beyond. And that was one of my favourite jobs, I guess. Because not only did I get to kind of be the star of the show every Friday night in one of the best urban hip-hop clubs in the in the city, but I also got to meet so many of my own heroes. I got to meet Chipmunk. I got to meet Skepta, although he did try and kill me. Um, I met Temper T. I met um, uh, uh, what, Tiny Temper. I met um, so many people, so many people came to Beyond and it was one of those places, that's where I met Shorty Blitz, I met Tim Westwood um, and regularly it was me and DJ Play who's one of the best DJs I've ever met, he's one of the coolest guys I've ever met as well um, and I DJed with him there for a long time and it was just my playground, I loved it. Um, obviously you got a lot of attention you got all of the uh, attention of the ladies. You get to drink as well. So you had a good time being like sort of 18, 19, 20, 21, having this job and performing in this club every week. It was absolutely incredible. The pay was peanuts. I got £30 a week, which was terrible. But for being the age I was, I would have been in that nightclub every Friday night anyway. So to being paid to be there and getting to hold the mic the whole night just seemed like absolute joy to me so I had no stresses or strains doing that job but that developed and I became the most sought after mic host in the city Kemrick moved on to being a DJ and now he's one of the most sought after DJs in the city but when it came to mic hosting I kind of had it pioneered I had the section taken over and I created my own style um uh I went and started doing C nightclub with Jam DJ um I did um couple of nights at liquid which were pretty cool uh i did so many different nights everyone was calling me up i ended up going over and doing some nights with principal in middlesbrough at studio nightclub or in sunderland in passion nightclub or baby passion um i got to travel all over the place i was in glass spider when that was around in sunderland i used to travel and i used to across the northeast and i got to learn my trade and do mic hosting and meet some of the best mic hosts well not meet the best mic hosts sorry meet the best performers and best djs going it was incredible i even got to um be the mic host one time for kissy sellout uh, and he's sick when you're stood trying to be the mic host for someone who has four decks and is mixing two tracks where one song's being mixed with his elbow, you can't help but stand in awe. And a couple of times he had to nudge me to tell me to stop watching and get on with the mic job. It was hard not to watch him. He was such an incredible talent. Um, so yeah, that was the good side of it. But then there's also the bad side of it. You have to be in the clubs. Normally my arrival was like 2am, especially when I was in Cavos. 
my nightclub started at two o'clock till 7am and that was just hellish. You'd be going to bed at 11, 11 o'clock to get a couple hours in. But you'd obviously have day parties and booze cruises to DJ on as well. So it was absolutely hellish trying to do all of those things and have a decent sleep pattern and trying to eat healthily. And, and yeah, it just wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. But you do try. You do try. Um, but back in England, one of the things that you have to deal with all of the time is requests. Now, people understand the DJ's been booked for his skill or her skill in picking music. You wouldn't go up to a builder while he's building a, a house and say, oh, mate, can you give me the hammer? I'd, I'd like to I'd like to see if I could have a go or even suggest what kind of brick he should use. Just let him get on with his job. He knows better than you. Um, don't request songs when you're in a nightclub. Like, if the DJ wants your requests, he will ask for your requests. But if he doesn't want your requests, don't ask for none. I'm not even a DJ. I've DJed a bit. I've been in that life. I don't DJ anymore, but please, for all of the sake of every DJ in the world, just don't ask for requests. Let them get on with their jobs. They are good at it. And I guarantee if your song is good enough, it will come on anyway. Um, and if you're leaving the nightclub, don't don't go up to the DJ and say, yo, I'm leaving in a minute. Can you put my song on next, please? Because I'm leaving. If he's in the club or she's in the club working, they, they're not bothered about the people that are about to leave. That puts you right to the back of the queue. That's the worst thing to say to a DJ. The very worst, because that guarantees your song's not getting played. And if it was set to be played next, he'd probably change it just to spite you. Um, sticking to the floor. This is one of the things people don't realise, but everyone goes to the nightclubs. Ah, I hate sticking to the floor. You stick to the carpet, you stick to the floor, you stick to the hard floor, you stick to the wood floor, you stick to the DJ booth, you stick to the dance floor, you stick to everything. I don't understand how you just stick to everything. It's just drink everywhere. Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. And dealing with drunk people can sometimes be difficult because if you want to work on a sober head and your thing is that you want to be sober, you do have to try and keep yourself away from people because people will grab uh, people will touch. I've had many a time where women have grabbed my balls or, or squeezed my ass, or and you know, and sometimes it's invited. But if you're given a performance and you have to appear that way, it doesn't mean that they can grab your genitalia. Imagine if you were a female mic host, they wouldn't expect you to grab their boobs, would you? So it's the same rules with strippers: look but don't touch. Enjoy the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, transitioning now. Transitioning from. Uh, nightclubs to um, like holiday parks and theatres and cruises and stuff like that was really important for me because I felt like I was coming to an age where I was the oldest person in the nightclub bar the people working in them and that I didn't really fit the mould of the arena I was in anymore and I wanted to make a change where I either took the level of mic hosting from nightclub level to festival and arena level or I uh, transitioned to maybe weddings, maybe corporate functions, theatres, holiday parks, something like that and that's exactly what I did. Uh, it was imperative that I did it because if I didn't I would have still been in that nightclub world where if I'm totally honest the pay is not very good. I know the DJs get paid okay 
but they can make a lot more money in different avenues and just I don't think don't know that um which is sad because I didn't know a lot about the other side of the industry. Well, like I said in the last episodes, the tribute world, the cover bands, the people making a lot of money for doing the same thing as everyone else. Um, And so that transition was very important to me. I wanted to use a TV show to try and get that foot in the door because I knew agents either wanted someone who's an accomplished tribute or someone who's got a bit of history and not many people were going to take a risk on someone unless they had a bit of a buzz about them. So I made sure that uh, Shana and I got onto X Factor by saying I made sure we just did well in the auditions and the the producer auditions. There wasn't anything um, underhand about it. Um, So we just went to X Factor. We got onto the auditions and things were really good. We got to the last day of boot camp and they showed our audition, which was enough to get our foot in the door. And that's really all we wanted. So we got that and signed with ISG. ISG gave us a massive opportunity and allowed us to audition for them. Um, During that audition, they gave us a sign in bonus of around £6,000. Now that sign in bonus, sorry, not sign in bonus, signing advance of around £6,000 to get us on the road and up and running. And um, then we had to pay that back within the first year, which we did. Um, It basically got the show together, all the equipment, all of the vans, all of the, you know, petrol, getting us the merch, all of the stuff. It was about £6,000. And that £6,000 investment has really paid off because they've made they've they've had a hell of a lot more than that back from us now um but there are agents and we are with them and the transition was quite a smooth one for us it's a very difficult transition for others you have to find your route you have to find your goal and find your thing but that is what you need to do um and definitely make that transition if you feel like the nightclubs are too young uh, a place for you anymore there are places for us uh, and especially when you get older, when you get to like 50, 60, there's some wicked cruise ships, there's some wicked theatres. And if you're very good and you've built a fan base over 20 years or so, like we're hoping to do, you should be able to sell out theatres after 20 years of circuiting. So we're at year seven, but by year 20, Hino Shino should be touring around and hopefully selling out big theatres just off our own name. We're working hard towards it. And hopefully you who listen to this can refer back to this in years to come uh, and tell me if I was right. But yeah, that's been The Reality of Show Business by Stephen Lewis Elms Esquire this week. And I hope you have enjoyed the show. This has been The Reality of Show Business, hosted by your boy, Stephen Lewis Elms. Join us next week, where we'll be talking to you a lot more about the realities of show business. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and a five-star review at that, if you can, in the App Store. That really goes a long way to helping us uh, like us on Spotify and share it to all your friends. And we hope to see you again next week. This has been The Reality of Show Business, and we'll hope to see you again. Peace.